Welcome to Living a Sex Positive Life, where we can guarantee the topic will be about sex. We'll talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures, the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and just talk about that touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everyone. This is Angelique Luna, and I'm here with my hubby and co-host, John C. Luna. Happy to be here. Yes. Our guest is running a little bit late, so as soon as our guest is on, we will connect him on the air. But we just want to take a few minutes here and chit-chat, give shout-outs to our sponsor, The Witch at Orlando. They will be having an open house uh, next week, April uh, July 29th? Is that the right date, honey? It's like, double check. <laughs> I, I believe it is. I'm pulling I, up the calendar right now. Oh, I know. It's like, yes, always so prepared. Can't you tell? <laughs> um, yes, it is the 29th at 4 p.m. at the Woodshed Orlando. Yes, and they're going to have all their groups and organizations there available to answer questions get presentations and we're hopefully going to grab every single one of them and interview them on the show even if it's like a quick you know 10-15 minutes so if you see kind of a lot of 10-15 uh, minute like little pop-up segments on the iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. It's because we have spent 10 to 15 minutes talking to you, each and every wonderful organization that makes Orlando fantastic and helps support the Woodshed Orlando. Yep, and they can be found actually at thewoodshedorlando.com. Uh, again, it's the 29th. It's 4 to 7 p.m. Uh, I know they're going to have people there what, demoing impact play shibari people representing um littles um i believe they're gonna have a are they gonna have a furry i'm not sure on that one no well the organizations that are going to be there is the national leather association orlando always a fun group women and leather orlando Orlando Power Exchange Network, Dominant Roundtable, Submissive Subs, uh, Submissive Safe Space. I can never. Can you say that for the Bondage Dojo? The Bondage. Yeah, the, the KU Jing Jing Biko. I know. How about we go with the Bondage jo Dojo? I, exactly. I, I'm going. Our, our instructor uh, Sensei Chris will probably going to kick our ass later. I, I could see that happening. Um, Orlando Photography Group. Orlando Book Club, the Orlando Munch, Orlando Rope Bite, and Forks and Floggers. And that's one organization that we keep missing because we're always on the road or busy. But uh, Forks and Floggers is great if you're a newbie and want to get to know some people in a ni nice casual dining environment. So it's kind of like a meet and greet um, nice restaurants. Um, I know they did like an Italian one down down the road from us, and then um, another fish and chips bars. So various different locations. So you guys share a meal together, socialize, and then head off to a dungeon. And they do it to various different locations. Sometimes it's here in Orlando. They'll they'll meet and greet, or sometimes they'll go to Tampa. So I you know I think we met one of the organizers the the last time we were at the woodshed. We did, and I said I would be there. And like you said, we keep ending up being out of town. Speaking of out of town, if you're not following us on social media, living a sex positive life, you're missing out on a lot of the adventures. I I know I'm kind of bad not doing videos because I like to hide my pretty little face. But I do try to post uh, all of our adventures on social media, especially on Instagram. We I posted the August tour of Living a Sex Positive Life there. So you could see the dates and cities that we will be traveling. Yes, we're mostly driving. So, you know, if you're on our way, we will more than happy try to make a stop and grab at least a drink, if not a meal, and socialize. We're always wanting to be happy to meet a fan and, you know, get your input on how we could improve the show. Yes, and that's actually going to be all of August. We're all over the place from D.C. to Miami and several places in between. 
So if you uh, are a listener, or you're not a listener and you happen to hear this, let us know. Let's meet up, do a drink, do coffee. I'm sure we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about. Maybe you'll become a guest on the show. Absolutely. I'm always looking for new guests there. It's like I take... I take everybody and anyone who wants to talk about human sexuality there because it's a serious topic that needs to be discussed and not to burn Team Vogue. Oh, we're going to come to Team Vogue, but I'm going to hit a couple milestones first. Okay, fine. We've passed 2,300 downloads today. Yay! Facebook, 500 likes. Finally! Only took me 10 years. Oh, come on, because of my little blog. Because remember, guys, this all started as a blog post back in 2014. So we just transformed it to a podcast because a lot of people just kept saying, you just have the voice and the personality for podcasting. I'm like, really? Uh." So we transitioned, and apparently I do because you guys have been fantastic liking, sharing all our content material. So we appreciate all the support. But one more milestone. We are booked out eight weeks with guests. That's right. We are booked out into uh, September. We have all of... Almost to October. I got one... The last week of September is still open, but I have a feeling when we go up to Woodhall, I'm going to just book out the rest of the the year. So we've been told, um, as much as you guys like us, you love our guests. Everyone from... Oh, who have we had? Sonny Megatron and Ken... We've had uh, Mona Darling and Miss Darling. Uh, Lola Devine with her book that is now officially out, hard copy. So please, if you cannot handle those lighthearted self-help books and you need something tougher because you can handle the truth, please get Thriving in Sex Work because it is that hardcore let's go straight to the root problem and let me help you solve your life issues and help you become a better person. I love the book. I I really do because I'm one of those, like, I can't do the fluffy self-help books. (laughs) And then on a lighter note, we interviewed Kelly Shabari. She was yummy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. We've had some. I I thought for sure Dr. Martha Lee was fun. Yes, yeah. got to reach out to uh, Dr. Martha Lee Please. again. She has been good. Our first international broadcast out in Singapore. Yes. It was at 5 a.m., but it was international. <laughs> I know, but it was so much fun talking about all the various different things. I, I was starting to feel like, okay, can we talk about this? Can we not? Just because, you know, us, we, you know, once we start chatting, that's it. But I do have to give a special shout out and love to Sunny Megatron and teaching me about CBT and trying to keep a straight face while I'm at a professional mental health accredited um, workshop where they kept referring to CBT, which in the mental health world is cognitive behavior therapy. And Sunny Megatron's world is cockball torture. So you can understand how I was trying so friggin' hard not to laugh in class every time the instructor kept saying, CBT, CBT. And I'm like, oh shit, that's not what she means. I know what she's meaning, but thanks, Sunny. You left an impression on me. <laughs> yes, yes. And hopefully next time she'll leave a physical impression on me. <laughs> we gotta I, can, s- I can dream. Yeah, well, we have to see when our next uh, schedules connect, you know, with, between events and things, because I know she's busy, because <gasps> she's now going to have her own podcast with Ken. But it's not going to be live like ours, but it is definitely uh, in the works. She said it's supposed to be announcing within the next month. So please follow her on her Snapchat. As always, you can find her at sunnymegatron.com, and she'll keep you posted on her upcoming adventures and I don't know what else. It's like it's she, she is a Jill of all traits, I'll tell you that, when it comes to sex education. <laughs> well, I do want for a little while to turn the focus away from us, oh. and I want to talk about an important story out there. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Teen Vogue has been under a lot of fire lately. Um, they published an article uh, in Teen Vogue for about, well, it's entitled uh, A Guide to Anal Sex. And, well, I'm trying to get the name of this activist mom, Johnston, um, Elizabeth Johnston, did a YouTube video. And apparently she is a Christian blogger 
who has many, many followers, not sure why, but um, she called upon everyone to mobilize and uh, take this smut off of uh, the shelves and go ahead and, you know, protest and talk with the managers and try to hit these people in the uh, pocket. And, uh, well, there was a great reply by one of the co-writers, and his name was, I'm coming up with that. It was unfortunately over in like... Uh, Philip, I uh, can't remember his last name. I just oh, remember. Philip Picard. How can I, how can I not for, uh, forget Picard? Okay, I so know, Philip, shame on you. Philip Picard did a huge tweet back about why uh, this isn't smut, it's education. And if you think your kids aren't having sex at that age, uh, guess what? He was. And uh, he had a close encounter with HIV. Um, I'm going through some of his tweets now, but, um, yep, he was warned you probably should get tested uh, because he slept with someone who has HIV. Let's see. Uh, is this him or someone else? No, that, that's all him on that article. And I think it's uh, query.com. Yeah, it's Q-U-E-E-R-T-Y.com. Go ahead and look it up. Um but essentially now it's this mudslinging between uh, education. Of course, it's on Fox News. Who would have thought that? Um, and uh, Teen Vogue. And Teen Vogue's being very – they're standing their ground. Teen Vogue has been phenomenal. And I think I have to do add them as a subscription base. And I – you know, I I regret to say I haven't purchased this issue because it is like a whole sex education issue. So um, it talks not only about anal sex, but various different uh, sex education tips and tricks and covers consent, covers health-wise. And they're up their game big time. I, I, to be honest, I, I'm almost suggesting to the adults, forget regular Vogue, go to Teen Vogue because their advice and their sex education is on point. Uh, I can't believe that, you know, people are bitching and complaining when, guess what? The, in this year, our sex education is horrible and atrocious that, yeah, they, they need to go and find the information. And porn, yes, is not the answer. But at the same time, we got to provide adequate, you know, and correct information, especially for pregnancies, STIs, STDs, HIVs, you know, abortions. I mean, right now, Texas... I hate to say it, God bless you and, you know, hope everyone's safe, but their health, um, sex it, education, no, just their whole, oh, I can't even say health, welfare, welfare health is in demise because they close so many clinics that a lot of people are dying from DIY abortions. They're not in, very safe. And because the kids don't have resources to contraceptives they don't have resources to birth control condoms they don't have resources on let alone even abstinence sex education i'll give you that okay but for them for the little kids to be dying and i'm sorry teenagers to me will always be little kids you know um dying to have abortions because they have no other way but who knows about the older women because you can't even drive state lines as far as i understand to get the abortion well, yeah, the, the the whole thing the states do um, with their basically idiotic, outdated laws uh, against abortion, um, it, it, it's no one's first choice. Anyway, I want to stay more back with, with, with the article here. Uh, I want to commend Philip here, Philip Picard, uh, for standing by his ground for, for uh, his fury of tweets going back at this unwarranted assault. And uh, if he wants to be on the show, hell yeah, we'll have you on. We would love to hear about that. But I just want to say we need more people like this that are going to stand up to this tyrannical attitude that, oh, well, kids are kids. They should not be exposed to any of this. I'm not sure where this occurred to. I mean, it would be nice. It's more of a Hollywood thing. But going back, you know, 100 years, kids were married off at 16, 15, 14, and younger. Yeah. So 11, they knew about 12. sex. But even so, today, they are forced to marriage. Here in the lovely state of Florida, there was a marriage earlier this year of an 11-year-old getting married to her rapist because the church 
said that they had to get married to hide the the rape. Okay, that's a, I'm not condoning that. That's a minority of cases. But in today's society, most people, most, have a choice, at least in this country. Consensual. To get married at a later point, to have it be consensual. Uh, um, we tr- I mean, education is out there. One of the biggest problems, though, is, like you said, porn is not the best education. And when you shut down the legitimate sources of education, the Planned Parenthoods, the, 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 the more scientific and factual, your children are left going on the Internet and looking for porn. And that shouldn't be education. Like you said before, you don't go ahead and watch The Fast and the Furious and go take your driver's test. Nor should you go ahead and watch porn and have your first time at sex. There should be a lot more to it. It should be a much greater experience, a much better experience. But the legitimate sex education gets shut down. And it's such a such a horrible thing. Yes, it, it, it is outrageous. And for people to go and start saying burn Teen Vogue or what do you call it, blacklist? I'm like, support them. Support them, buy their articles, subscribe to them. It is definitely they're up in their game and really protecting our youth, and that's how I see it. That's why I'm trying to find a store that still sells Teen Vogue, and I'm (laughs) buying five of them. I will go ahead once I get them and make a video and post it for this, but just to show my support of Teen Vogue and my support against Elizabeth Johnson, I'm going to buy five issues of Teen Vogue, and I will show it to you all on camera. Oh, we should have been like videotaping this so that way we could just hashtag her and she could find us and like say, burn at the cross. And I'm like, you first, witch. <laughs> Not good? Uh, Too much controversy? Oh, no, no. I'm good at instigating. You know that. Oh, yes, you are, baby. That is true. So, besides this, we're waiting for our guest. What else is going on? Oh, sex trivia. And if you're in the Central Florida area, next Wednesday, July 26th, I will be hosting, emceeing actually, um, Are You Coming? Sex Trivia, hosted by Planned Parenthood, Projecto Somos Orlando, and Eola, which is, I always forget Eola's uh, empowering in organizing latinx for action so it is going to be in spanglish so it will actually english and spanish so the questions probably will not be the same answers in spanish because we're trying to translate trying to do it just because some words just do not translate or they have different meanings so just to be clear it's not Spanglish. You will have questions in Spanish, and then you will have questions in English. Correct. Okay, so, so you're catering to both markets there. Exactly. I will be reading the English part, and then my co-host from uh, Projecto Somos Orlando and what do you call it, Hispanic Federation, Stephanie Lorraine. I think I pronounced her name right. She might kill me later. Uh, Lorena. Lorena. Uh, we'll be doing the Spanish portion of the MC. So, yes, yeah, so you have two MCs. It's going to be at the Pepe Bistro in College Park. You could, uh, it, it starts at 7.30 p.m. We have goodie bags. We have prizes to galore, of course. You know, wouldn't be a, a sex trivia without prizes. So you could find the information on my page, on the Peppy Bistro page there. Um, it, the address at Peppy Bistro is 2611 Edgewater Drive, Orlando, Florida. So give us, you know, stop on by and come visit. Wow. That sounds like a fun night of going out and having sex trivia. I've had fun at, like, you know, sci-fi trivia and movie trivia. I'm not much of a sports trivia nut. I, I, I have plenty of friends who are. But sex trivia is, well, I don't know. You think that would be a good first date? I think so. Especially in two languages. You could see, uh, you know, who knows what and what language. Oh, yeah. Well, you definitely will get to know a lot out of your date by the end of the night if you take her to a sex trivia. Mm-hmm. Very true. So we have a call to all of those on Match.com. And come on out and... <clears throat> 
join us and see if you could test your knowledge. So that's why um, we're going to be able to broadcast next Tuesday. So yes, we like to throw you guys off uh, off your rocker right now. And we're going to have Pink Hefs, King Hef, on the show next week. I know normally we don't do promotions, but as you can tell, I'm, I'm stalling time here for our guests. So we might have a little technical difficulty. But King Hef's products, Pink Hef, is a female uh, enhancer and also has a male enhancer. I think he calls it Black Hefs. And let me tell you from experience, oh my God, super sensitivity, and it really, really takes your orgasms to the next level. And sad part is, it takes 30 minutes for the women's to kicks in, and then the guys is, of course, 15 minutes. So. Well, we're, yes, the, the, the hefts definitely do work. So. We're just calling out to our guests right now. We're going to go ahead and bring her in. Hi, Vern Phoenix. It's Angelique and John. How are you? Hey, how's it going? It's going fantastic. Welcome, welcome on the show. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Let me do your bio now because we were already chatting away first before you're coming in. So, everyone, this is Vern Phoenix. As a person who grew up in blue-collar conservative Christian in Alaska most of their life, hold no college degree, and still came out this flavor of trans and queer. Unlike a lot of queer folks in Portland who generally grew up with the liberal wide-scope knowledge, morals, had more financial support, and access to education, he did not have these inherent privileges to be on top of their political and lang- politics and language that surrounds queer culture. Vern's knows the struggle and feelings of unnecessary shame about not having your script perfected, but was raised with the ideology to look past what a person is saying and what to what <laughs> to look to their heart and willingness to learn and educate them lovely. Welcome, Vern. It's like sorry it was like such a tongue twister but i have to agree yes to educate them lovingly that is why you're on the show because you did that to me because i'm always getting attacked (laughs) left and right because i screwed up pronouns okay don't mean to but it happens no and it absolutely you know what it absolutely does and i i will say everyone's allowed to their right they're they're allowed their right to to react the way that feels the safest and the best you know what i mean like as a person who has spent most of my life being an emotional caretaker, it's my default is to rec- respond kindly. Does that make sense? Like that's, that's what makes a smoother path for everybody. But there are people that have a lot more stories and a lot more vitriol for the way they've been treated. So there, there is a lot of anger out there, but there's also kind of a lot of misperceptions. There's a lot of like certain groups of people will never get it. And that's not true. And I think that there's, I think that everybody has the opportunity to learn and I'm hoping to help with that. And I think that being open-minded and open-hearted about it is the way to go. You know, the, the exclusivity around it sometimes is, I think, a barrier for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. Which, there, because I'm just like, um, I'm trying to educate the world on yeah. how this keeps evolving. And it's like, yeah. I, I always like to say, it's like, look, as much as I'm here to teach you guys, I'm willing to learn. Teach me because I know there's yeah. still a shitload of information out there that I yes, don't know. There is. <laughs> Thank you for answering my question around language. Uh, yeah. I mean, let me give you an example. Like I uh, have a cousin who I love dearly and he's kind of, he's a sweetheart and he's kind of one of the black sheep of the family like me. And I came out to him probably, like, we reconnected, and he lives up in Alaska. And bless his heart, he's just, I love him so much. And I came out to him, he's like, you know, I don't care if you're just a big old lesbian. Like, I just love you anyways. I was like, well, uh, that's not quite it. But the heart behind it, I was like, okay, I'll take it. You might not quite get it, but I'll take it, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, there is, there is a difficult learning process. And the thing that a lot of folks who are educated, a lot of younger folks don't realize is, the people that aren't quite getting it, they're working class people. Everybody's working 40 hours a week. We, a lot of us aren't able to access the computer and sit and do our studies. Does that make sense? Like everything is changing so rapidly. There has to be at least somewhat of a handicap for people that are not quite keeping up, you know? Exactly. Totally there. Like the other day, uh, this was like a couple of months ago, I got ripped apart 
because I compared a relationship from top and bottom, which I didn't know it was extremely offensive. Oh, no. Oh, no. Gotcha. You were just... Explain to me what you meant by that, because I'm not, I think I'm misinterpreting it. Yeah, well, basically, it was in regards to paying the bill. And who should, it should always be like the gentleman kind of deal. But I always, you know, because we, I have a strong foundation in the BDSM community that, you know, I could distinguish between top and bottom. There's someone is a little bit more, I don't want to say aggressive, but more in dominant in control of like saying, I'm asking you out on a date and I should be paying for it. And because I use that as an analogy to explain my viewpoints, I'm not saying that you're, you're below this person or anything. It, it, It was like, Oh, I can't believe how you're offensive and everything. I'm like, dude, everything's changing on a minute basis for me here. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. And it's like, I feel like we're going to have to <laughs> scramble to keep up with everybody, you know, and I feel I feel it too. I feel that pressure. And you know, I, I was thinking before I uh, had this phone call, I want to say this as a caveat, like, I think giving my bio is important, but also saying like, hey, yes, I probably will make mistakes. And I will probably say things that are not up to date, because I'm doing my best. But understand that, like, I am doing my best, and I'm committed to being transparent about that, you know? I think saying, okay, I don't know everything, and I'm willing to be called in gently is important, you know? And it sounds like that person was projecting, in my opinion. That sounds like they were dealing with a lot of, like, insta- <laughs> a oh, lot of security issues, you know? It, and that's, that's on them. But, like, I don't think that there was anything wrong with what you're saying in terms of that. Like, that just sounds like if that's the dynamic that you have in the relationship, like, depending on who's, you know, the top and who's the bottom, like, that's negotiated. That's within the boundaries of your relationship, you know? Right. And again, it's just like, you know, I'm not familiar. And I always keep saying that, look, I don't know everything. That's why I look for guests like yourself or that knows the information. So I could say, Hey, go check out Vern Phoenix. He, he has a shit. He knows what's going on. So that's why. Well, I mean, okay. So here's, you're, you're illustrating a great example. Um, The whole conversation around non-binary is kind of opening up to the general public like people are becoming more aware of its existence and it's not we'll talk about the whole trans trender thing in a minute but the, the thing is i've had friends where i'm like okay i prefer they pronouns and there's reasons why and it's it's more of a neutral thing that feels comfortable to me but if people just can't wrap the linguistics of they i'm just like just use he you know that's 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 when you asked me what my gender pronouns were so i was like they or he whatever feels the most comfortable you know yeah, and, and absolutely. You, and you, and you adapted right to it, and I appreciate that, you know? Oh, yeah, no, because I actually um, took a workshop on this week called LGBT Competency for providers, so that way we would know how to better service the LGBT community. And one of the things they said, you know, they drilled in our head, ask for their pronouns, because that will make a huge yeah. difference in the, you know, the counseling settings or just any kind of provider settings, because I do a lot of sex education and coaching here in Orlando. And it's like, that's what makes them feel safe and comfortable. Just right off the bat, ask what pronouns they prefer to use. And I'm also a big proponent for professionals putting their, even especially cis folk that are in the professional world. I highly suggest that you start putting your pronouns in the documents and the letters that you send. Set that standard in the cis world so that people are just already automatically doing it and asking, you know? It's just, and I think that if we can all adapt to it, and, like, the diversity of transness is that some people, there is folks that pass and people that choose not to or, or that can't, you know? And so the people that are in the middle, folks like me, honestly, I'm one of those people, we need to have cis people identify themselves with their pronouns as well so that there's that balance does that make sense oh yeah it totally makes sense now i have to change my bio again <laughs> <laughs> no, no no that's i and i think that's that's an excellent practice for everybody to do you know and there's there's a lot of tools out there and there's so much misinformation is the thing there's so much as much as there's a lot of positive information there's a lot of like filtering out that you have to do like before i came out you know, I'm a very much a femme person. Like, I dress very femme. Sometimes I wear makeup. Sometimes I don't. The best way I could explain it to a working class person is if you can just view me as a drag queen, that would be great. Does that make sense? Like, if you can just view me as a faggy boy that likes to wear dresses occasionally, that's the best way to explain myself. It's more complicated than that, but that's, like, kind of the general <laughs> public persona that, that fits well, you know? Right, the keep, keep it simple, stupid, yeah. 
Exactly. Well, and it's it's funny because once I started to really see myself as that and like embrace it and settle into that, things started making sense. Like a lot of places in my childhood that I was just like kind of felt lost or gray or foggy about, I was just like, oh, this all, and I call them roots. All of these things from my childhood that come back to me now and kind of give me that ping feeling, you know, like, oh, this is right. Uh, I call those roots. Uh, one of those examples, my first and earliest trans route that I can think of um, was do you remember, I'm not sure how old you are, but in the 80s, uh, Disney put Bambi back out in the theater. Do you remember that? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I, I'm old and enough to was... remember that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So that was the first movie that I ever got to see as a little one in the theater. And I just remember having such complicated feelings about Flower the Skunk. Do you remember that little cutie? <laughs> adorable. Doesn't speak much, but yes, very adorable. <laughs> but, but think about that little character. And I just remember being so young and being like, wait this is a boy like this is a very like very feminine giggly like shy boy I was like wait and I didn't know what that was and then when I kind of like went you know went and processed through memories through my childhood I was like wait a minute that was my first and earliest roots like that weird feeling like I don't know how to feel about this I like something resonates but I can't quite articulate it because I'm five <laughs> you know yes yes well see I, I remember back in the day the Bugs Bunny dressed in drag doing opera yes yes Oh, I love that trickster. Bugs <laughs> Bunny has a lot of gender magic going on. Oh, absolutely. And nowadays that will probably consider to be banned. I was like, dude, those are classics. Those are good cartoons. They educated yeah, us. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> hey, let's go back yeah. to um, definition of non-binary gender, because I know there's always a lot of confusion, a lot of misinterpretation about that. And I will do my best to give a accurate with it. If we're talking definitions, I'll do my best to like give my interpretation and just preface it with like my interpretation of things is always evolving and open to change. Does that make sense? Like yep. basically I'm open to being corrected if somebody's like, Hey, actually. So from my experience, non-binary basically is you are something in between. You're not quite on one end of the spectrum or the other. So you're, or, and there's fluidity. Uh, gender fluid is to me very parallel. Um, I went, I was calling myself gender fluid before I came out as non-binary, mostly for me, the terms are interchangeable. Just non-binary was one that people understood on a better, uh, broader context, you know? Oh, yeah, d absolutely. Because, yeah, gender fluidity, people just kind of creep their heads to one side, and they're like, what do you mean gender fluidity? It's not like you right. could make it into a milkshake or something. Right. I, You know, I was thinking earlier um, of an analogy to kind of explain non-binary and, like, just the gender spectrum in general. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, in elementary school, in, in astronomy class, we learn, we learn the first constellations that we learn about is the Little, the little Dipper and the Big Dipper. At least that's the ones I remember learning. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of people in the world that never really advanced past that point. And there's an entire galaxy of options out there, but they're still stuck on, okay, that's that one constellation and that's the other one. Those are the ones we got. Those are the ones we're familiar with. We're going to stick with those. But there's an entire, like, undiscovered, you know, universe out there behind it. That's kind of what gender spectrum is. It's not just I'm a flavor of this or that. It's a I am a broad spectrum of things. And including also if you include neurodivergency and folks with uh, DID, dissociative identity disorder, there are folks I know that have that have a persona that's a boy, it's a girl, somewhere in between. Like it gets very complicated very easily. And non-binary is a great way to put an umbrella term on all of that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. It's it's like it's, you, you're talking about this. I'm automatically thinking of the Bill Nye, the Science Guy Netflix episode. I, You know, and I, I heard that. I have not seen it, so I don't have a full opinion. But I've heard mixed reviews of that. I've had, I've had a lot of my trans friends go, oh, he's very, very stuck on the binary. And there are people, there's very complicated opinions even within the trans community. There's people that want gender abolishment. They want to say it's bullshit. It doesn't exist. There's people that feel very comfortable in a binary, and there's people that want more of a def definition within that system, you know. Um, so it's, again, it's changing, and there's a lot of very opinions around it. Um, my issue with people that are trans and binary, meaning that if I am, they go by uh, female to male or male to female, my issue with that is there's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on. Yeah. So... A, and not every binary trans person, you know, that you know gets the surgery and does every all the steps to, to pass, I suppose. Uh, not everyone I know is like this, but there's a lot of gatekeeping, and what that means is, someone like me is not a quote unquote true trans in their eyes, and that is bullshit in my opinion. Um, 
but it's there's a lot of that argument and discussion around it like oh you have to jump through all of these hoops to be able to be trans and that's kind of what held me back from transitioning for a long time it actually took one of my partners telling me like breaking it down and explaining exactly what it is to be trans and being trans isn't about just getting surgeries it's about realizing that you are not entirely the gender that you were assigned at birth and I know so many people, so many of my little friends are like, you know, I don't feel entirely like a girl. And I'm like, you might be trans, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's very true. And I know that is definitely common. Um, I can't remember who is it um, that talks a lot about it, uh, the, the hatred within the community just because they want yes. to be right or something. And we, I also um, experience that a lot with being bisexual. Like, people are telling yep. me what I need yep. to do in bisexuality. It's like, <laughs> look, if I don't want to go down on the girl, that does not mean I'm not bisexual. I'll do a hell of a lot of other things with yeah. them, but, I, I, you know, that's my choice. You know, I always but refer people... sex to food. You know, it's like you there's a lot of food out there. You don't have to like the same thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of people that use politics as a way to have poor boundaries. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm -hmm. what that sounds like to me. It's like, well, you won't do this, so you're politically incorrect, you know? And that's that's not okay, you know? Oh, no. Agree. <laughs> but, well, I mean, you're absolutely right about the, the stresses and the things that bisexual folks... There's a very parallel uh, degree of frustration that we experience because, it's, you know, we have... In the bisexual world, it's like the heterosexuals don't take you seriously because I used to identify as a bisexual girl. And it was like the bi folk were like, oh, you just want to sleep with everybody. And then the queer folk are like, oh, well, you slept with so-and-so, so you don't count, you know. <laughs> I understand the frustration completely. <laughs> yeah, I know Buck Angel talks a lot about it on his social media, how everyone's just at each other's throat. And I'm like, really? Why? Why? Um, there's a lot of people that are, I, to me, just as, as a person who's been in a lot of therapy, it's just, okay, these folks are all really traumatized and they're trying to work out their trauma around their gender stuff and they're taking it all out on each other. It's very, uh, I jokingly refer to it as debate club because it just makes me think of high school debate club, you know? That's a good way to see it. Well, right now it, it, it is all heated issues and all of this is, mm -hmm. um, um, like you said, changing at this point. And hope, hopefully give it a generation, maybe not that long, it'll all settle down, all this becomes mainstream, and it doesn't become oh that Oh my goodness, brilliant. we are already there. We're already there, let me tell you. I have a 14-year-old, and they are, they are also out as trans. Um, they're more on the, probably going to be on the passing end of the spectrum, just for their own comfort, and that's fine. But I'm going to tell you, the next generation of kids, they are so fucking smart, and so brilliant, and so educated, and like... <laughs> Sometimes kids having the access to full board internet is a little terrifying because there's a lot of stuff out there. But these kids are absorbing information and processing it faster than we can even imagine. And, like, I try to encourage people. I'm like, y'all, we're going to have to run to keep up with them. They are so smart. Like, um, my kiddo's partner who lives uh, out in the middle, the Mideast, uh, or the Midwest, sorry, um, She's so incredibly intelligent. Like, she's just turned 16, and I'm like, you know more information than I did at, like, 23, 24. And, like, <laughs> I jokingly uh, talk to my partner and say, I, I'm going to look towards the point in time where I am obsolete, and I can joke about <laughs> I can joke about being, like, a first or second gen uh, non-binary, you know? The growth rate at which, like, humans' minds are expanding is incredible, and it, it's, it's really encouraging. Like, things are really hard and really dark, especially for those of us that are not cis, not het, and not queer-minded, like, if you're not, you know, if you're not uh, Republican, things are a little, a little scary right now, but I honestly <laughs> believe that it is. I mean, it's like, there's a lot of things that are you. really nerve-wracking out there, um, but, like, I listen to what the kids are saying. I listen to their hearts, and there's so much, like, gosh, I just can't get over, like, how <laughs> surprisingly wholesome and, like, sweet kids are now, you know? They're so respectful, you know? Wow, you're finding almost, a good batch of kids there because uh, I'm not I finding mean, that yet. So <laughs> <laughs> we're getting we're getting there. Um, it's it's interesting to see the generation. I talk about like layers of generations around um, the growth of comedy because to me, comedy is a sign of like the evolution of humans, and the way that it's switched is really encouraging. And meme culture is a big part of that, and gender is just 
just as much wrapped up in that. And there's a lot of memes and pages that are being sent and information that's being sent to younger people about accepting different types of gender through comedy and through memes. And it's all very, like, very wholesome and not, like, degrading. It's, it's not punching down. Does that make sense that uh, comedians talk about that? Like, instead of, instead of punching down and taking down people that have less than you, punch up, you know? Yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah. Completely. I, I, do, I do agree with it. As the generations go on, especially this young generation, they are so much more accepting. And a lot of it, I believe, is the Internet that are, they are exposed to so much that mm-hmm. much, much less is surprising to them. They've seen it yep. or heard of it way before I have. Yep. And, and it's, you know, and there are kids out there, you know, going back to my kiddo's partner, like she's just as sheltered as I was as a kid. And she's facing similar things that I did as a kid, you know, growing up with a lot of oppressive religion and a lot of cult like mentality. And she's still so educated. And like, I literally thank the internet for that. It is a, it's a double-edged sword. There's a lot of really toxic things out there. Um, It's the foundation of the alt-right. So, you know, that's all I'll say about that. But um, there's also so much good out there and there's so much community, you know, and I think that these kids are able to not feel so alone in a different way than we did as adolescents. You know, I think about back in, I graduated in 2000. So back in the nineties, it was like, I knew like one or two gay people, you know, (laughs) and that was it. And I, I, we, when you're, when you're not exposed to it, you don't know how to handle it, you know, and children are being more and more exposed to it, you know? I, I completely agree. Um, like you grew up in a Catholic household, did the whole altar boy thing all the way up till I was 17. And somewhere in my 20s, um, decided I was bisexual and kept it to myself for another 10 years. And didn't come and out. Hmm? Go ahead. Hans. I said, no, didn't come out uh, until I was in my late 30s. And, uh, well, hell, now I'm on a, on a podcast publicly uh, yelling it out and teaching workshops on it. So uh, it's, it's funny how things change. If you would have told me when I was a tiny little adolescent that I would be where I am right now, like difficulties and stresses of life and all, like I would have never believed you. I you know, genuinely thought that I would have to stay in the closet and stay hidden and stay covert and like not even look at the things that I had hidden from myself. I had no idea who I was at that time. Like, I feel you on that level. Like it took me, I'm a late to the game person too. Like I didn't start transitioning until I'm about a year and a half in on hormones and I'm on two years uh, officially announcing that I was trans. So it's very interesting to go through a lot of the parallel uh, experiences, go through a lot of the same parallel experiences that people that are in their early twenties are experiencing. Um, But I also have a lot of like life behind my back. So I, I don't respond to situations in the same way. Like I'm, I'm a little more grounded in some ways, you know? Right. But also, as you mentioned, you've been um, thinking mental health and I don't think a lot of folks try to get mental health, especially just LGBT or transitioning. I mean, I think that's a strong component in helping you through the whole transitioning process. Am I mistaken or? I'm, I agree. Um, I believe that uh, taking care of your mental health at like any means possible is important. So if you can't, if you don't have good health care, which a lot of people don't, to seek out the books, to seek out the advice, to look for the communities of people that are whole, like holistic and taking care of you and that are not divisive, there are many, many ways to get their, their, their caretaking um, met, you know. Um, but the mental health aspect is definitely part of it. I do... I'm not sure if every state is the same way, but Oregon is not as strict in terms of you have to be in therapy for this point in time to be on hormone therapy. Um, the doors are a little bit more open in that way. And I think it should be that way. I think people should be able to access their steps the way that feels right to them. But to be completely honest, the way the state of things right now, I think that every single American needs to be in therapy. Like, there is nothing that's going to harm you about that. Does it make sense? Like, the state of the world right now, we need to be in therapy. We all need the grounding tools. We all need the calming tools. Like, we need to be as focused and in our in our bodies as we can be because right now, like, everything that's happening is encouraging us to dissociate and to, to disconnect from ourselves and, like, live in fear, you know? Oh, and yeah. And so what, what is that doing to people that are not so brave, that are shy, that have gender feels, you know, that are trying to figure their stuff out? You know, and there is I want to recognize the fact that in the trans community, there's a lot more room for trans masculine people, folks like me, whereas folks that are AMAB, 
assigned male at birth, there's a lot more fear. There's a lot more violence that they face. So there's a lot of trans women that will stay in the closet because they don't have any other options. And so that might be somebody that looks like so-and-so's boyfriend out of the queer club. Why is he here? So there's a lot of cis queers that throw a lot of judgment towards AMAB folk. And that's not right because that might be a little sister that hasn't figured her shit out yet. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Now, let's go back. What is a cis queer? So our audience understands. So so a cisgendered queer would be somebody who is somebody who is, say, AFAB, so assigned female at birth, who identifies as a female. So that would be kind of what a lot of people just say, okay, that's a dyke. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As compared to a trans dyke, which who is somebody who is AMAB, who is also a trans girl and also is attracted to other women. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like mine's go- going like, whoa, this is like... I know, sometimes verbally... Honestly, it requires a diagram, but... Yeah, I, I, I absolutely. That's what I was thinking. I need pretty pictures here, please. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, we're splitting up the two, and it's it's um, gender and sexuality. Does okay. that make sense? Like, we yeah. Have gender would be cis or trans, and then sexuality would be queer or straight. So if you're a cis queer, you're somebody who is not trans, but is also attracted to people of the same gender. Awesome. Much easier. I got that. Okay, cool. <laughs> but there's a lot of there's a lot of privilege within the cis queer community and I have spent a lot of time there and it before I transitioned and it's interesting to see the dynamic between the privilege layers of them and the trans community, you know, and it's I would encourage people to reach out and we're all struggling, but it's important to examine the privileges that you do have. Does that, is that a conversation that you're like, that you have on a frequent basis or witness? Yes. When you talk about privilege? Yes. Yes. And and, again, another set of, another set of language, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Especially we go through the white privilege, the people of color privilege, then the trans, I'm like, okay, this is way too many privileges that I'm just like, can't we just all get along? It's all about sex. It is very true. That is very, very true. Um, (laughs) I will say, and you're absolutely right. And that is internally, that is internally my heart too. But then I have to remind myself, I'm like, I remember the way that I was when I was in my 20s, when I wasn't as conscious about my sexuality, and I wasn't as conscious about the sex that I was engaging in. And it's funny, I was like, oh, no, when I hit because I was a hypersexual person in my 20s, I was working out a lot of stuff, like, it was not harmful, but I was definitely working through a lot of stuff by having a lot of sex. And when I hit my 30s, before that, I was like, oh, no, everybody says dirty 30s. What am I going to do? Like, oh, boy, I'm already, like, <laughs> on the train. And when I hit my 30s, it was like, okay, things shifted. And it was more about quality, you know. And these conversations are hard and they're difficult to learn. But I'm going to tell you, like, the quality of interactions that I have with people are so much more fulfilling and memorable. You know, it's – I mean – don't get me wrong having mindless sex is fun but like it feels so much more fulfilling when it's like oh this person sees me you know this is i'm not an object they really deeply see who i am before we engage with each other and that's that is when sex becomes empowering you know when you're both in that place with each other and and you're seeing each other for who you are and you're choosing to engage consensually you know Uh, definitely definitely (laughs) Well, no, the uh, I'm, no, I'm thinking about it too. Definitely, your appetite, whether whether you're again straight, gay, or anywhere on the fluid spectrum, you, your your dietary needs sexually definitely change because it does, absolutely. in the 20s you're you're exploring. It's it's the you run over to the buffet and it doesn't matter. You sample everything out there. Yep. You know, eventually when you get a little older, you, you kind of want them. You know, I, I want it on a plate and hold all that processed food. So. <laughs> Agreed. Oh, no, you're you're absolutely right. Or, or to my point, it's like fuck it. I don't care what people say. I'll just do whatever I want. <laughs> yep, and that is also that's incredibly empowering too. You know, uh, I have been I have been in that place. Sometimes I need to visit that place again. Sometimes I need to change things. You know, that's, that's the joy of being sexually open is you can go and do that safely and like figure that out. Um, I have a theory, and it's a loose and it's a loose one, but. I've noticed some parallels between me and other AFAB folks that are gender questioning. And there is, um, trying to think of how to say it, because I'm a little shy about it, but there's a certain amount of validation that you need over your body that that a lot of people are dissociated from. And what I mean by that is 
there are people that are trans out there that are not validating the parts of their bodies that are trans. So in my 20s, I was very hypersexual. I was very, like, uh, the term that people use is thirsty. Does that make sense? Like, there was a lot of, like, oh, mm-hmm. I just, if I don't, and there was a lot of like frustration and a lot of like not reckless behavior but I definitely wasn't the most careful about what I was doing you know um and coming out with my trans like when I came out as trans and was figuring out my sexuality and my gender I was like oh I I was just trying to validate my dick does that make sense like (laughs) there was a lot of like power and control that I needed and once I started validating myself and my body in that manner I calmed down a lot and now it's kind of like i'm kind of picky and cheesy like i don't need to think that everybody is so powerful you know oh and I absolutely a lot of i witnessed a lot of folks like mistranslating their gender feelings through their sexuality they're like well i don't know what i am so i'm just gonna fuck everybody and figure it out you know well <laughs> and there's that a be really disastrous abs- no i'm with you there's a difference between education and knowing and experiencing and yep. as mu- as much as yeah, you have that you need that validation, and I'll I'll go with that in the twenties to get your dick out there. And men or not even men, people with a penis are taught you it's time for you to perform. And after a while, yep. I thought about yep. it and said, you know what? I am not a circus monkey. I do yeah, not perform. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy this, but it takes pressure... it takes time for that. Gosh, and the pressure that I have felt energetically off of in that quote, it breaks my heart. It like breaks my heart that that's an experience that I experienced a hint of it when I was like really identifying as a pop and I still do. Um, but I experienced a hint of what the expectation is there. And y'all need a break. And I, it breaks my heart that y'all have to like put up with that. Like I have, you know, had experiences with a folk and they were like apologetic when uh, things didn't go the way they planned, you know, your body doesn't work the way you want to. And I just, being queer, I'm like, it's okay. Like, I'm not, this isn't a point aid. This isn't a race, you know? This is, we're here to have fun. It's not like a competition, <laughs> you know? And it is really hard and heartbreaking to witness the amount of stress that we put on ourselves around something that's supposed to be one of the few free pleasures in our lives, you know? Well, it's something it, we're put on as, as kids that it's sex. It'll happen naturally. Don't talk about it. It'll just happen. And then if it doesn't happen, well, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And where do you mm-hmm. go from there with that? It's, it is so difficult to handle that, especially if you also include the factor of folks who are on the asexual spectrum, which is, again, another set of language to learn, you know. Um, and then you have the complicated feelings of, well, I feel sexual in this space or this time or this day, but I don't know. What's wrong with me? Like, what's going on? I'm supposed to feel sexual for this person all the time, you know. And we're not recognizing that there's also another spectrum of like desire as well, you know? Oh, that's a whole different conversation altogether between the asexuals, yep. the pansexuals, the intersexuals. Yep. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot. I mean, it's like, it's like, y'all, we need a book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, there, there is a, uh, I have a book from the early 2000s, the guide to getting it on. It's like, we need like, <laughs> we need 2017 version of that for sure. You know? Oh, it's like whatever like, book is written is out printed. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, not all of us have Tumblr, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Tumblr is the most up-to-date information about what's all going on and what what's the acceptable term. But up-to-date doesn't always mean accurate. Sometimes no, it's, 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 very, it's good it's to just true. slow down and, and, and get honest opinions like we try to have uh, on this show. But um, I, do, I do have a couple questions I want to go into. Um, sure. for someone who's unsure, I mean, I know I went through a long time of being unsure because sometimes I was attracted to guys, but other guys I wasn't attracted to. And, you know, you kind of go through that very confusing time where you, you really don't even have the courage to ask people. Um, how did that, how did that happen to you? Where, what, what, where you, like you said, you started with Bambi and went on there, but as you went on, tell us a little bit or something about kind of your journey where you finally said, Hey, I'm coming out, I'm trans, this is who I am, deal with it, and I'm proud. Well, so I'm going to say the first piece of it was I was I was living in Spokane, and I was part of a burlesque group, and 
one of the things one of the things that happened within that is we had a photographer who wanted to do a photo shoot, and the photo shoot was a gender bender photo shoot. So she wanted us to choose two outfits that were one end and the other of the gender spectrum for us. And that was kind of the first time I'd really examined the other end of the spectrum, like really looked at it. And I, you know, I had, I was very good at femme. I'm very, very good at like high femme. I can do the outfits. People look at back at my old pictures and they're like, holy crap, you used to dress like that. Like I'm kind of, to a lot of people, I'm kind of a surprised trans person. Um, so I put that quote unquote mask outfit on with the short hair and the wig and kind of like set I prepared a lot more than a cis person would would that's what I'm gonna get I was like I was really <laughs> thinking about it do you know what I mean like <laughs> it was a very important thing for me to present this way so that's kind of like a, a little clue um and so I got ready for this and got my outfit on I wish I had the picture for you right now I'll send it to you later and I just felt so good and so powerful and not in like a toxic way but I felt like I was glowing and I was like, what is this? Like, is this just because it's something taboo and, like, something different? But there was just something that felt very grounded and deep about it. Does that make sense? And so I started to – and another another kind of key that, that a lot of us, like, pre-transition trans folks, we're the, always the ones that are in the wings. We're like, yeah, yeah, we really, really support trans people. Like, they're, we're the overly enthusiastic supporter. Does that make sense? Like, oh, yeah, yes. completely. <laughs> I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying it is a common thread that we in the past have been the ones that are like really, really strongly fighting for trans rights, you know? Um, so that was kind of the first piece of it was that photo shoot. And like uh, from that point on, it was honestly trauma happening in my life. Like I went through some t- domestic violence in 2012 um, and moved back to Portland in 2013 and working through a lot of therapy. It was finally setting down everything I had been told to be my entire life. Everything that you have to be a girl to be okay in the world. You have to be a girl to get a job. You have to be a girl to find love and to be happy. And once I started to examine that and go, wait a minute, if I didn't have to do all this, like if I didn't ha- didn't need love, didn't have a job, et cetera, et cetera, would I still call myself a girl? And in that moment, I was like, no, I don't identify with that. And it also doesn't feel like a safe place for me to be, you know, mm-hmm. because a lot of my trauma was that I went through as a child was a lot of uh, social conditioning, a lot of control, a lot of uh, objectification. You know, I was a Christian kid, the only girl. Um, in the 80s, the height of 80s consumerism, you know, so I was definitely a little trophy child, you know, I'm with you. So while I am non-binary and, and girlness is part of my spectrum in terms of my history, and it doesn't feel, there's a lot of people that feel the need to reject it. I don't reject it. It's just not a place that feels safe. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Well, it's a place where you were grown up and, um, I guess family and society kind of put you there and you can't, mm-hmm. in my opinion, when I look back at my past, I really can't blame them because that, that was kind of the norm, you know, Correct. that, that no, that's, you're not, not wrong. that's what everyone kind of did. And they were, it was, they were unaware of yep. the stuff that's coming out today. And a lot of trans history has been completely erased. So we were like, I didn't, the, everything I knew about trans people was the the movie trope, the really toxic movie tropes of trans women. You know, that's and it, they are painted in a certain way for that specific reason to for people that don't have access to information to it's a scare tactic. You know, and that's why that's why a lot there's a lot of anger and vitriol around misrepresentation of trans folk in the film industry because it's an opportunity to twist our story. You know, and if it's not being told by us, who's it being told by and why and who's profiting? You know. Um, so yeah, my knowledge of what trans folk were was very vague and I was so scared of even thinking about the fact that I didn't judge or hate gay people. The idea of looking at transness was like so far disconnected from me, you know, it -hmm. took a lot. It took me coming back into my body and like really assessing who I was as a person, you know? And I think a lot of it also, um, I mean, Oregon is a great place for this, um, is exposure because yep, absolutely you know growing up in the church you don't really get to see a whole lot of that and you get out into the real world and you start seeing a few and i know at least for me uh it was last year i actually uh met and sat down for the first time one-on-one uh with a girl uh who was transgender 
and started getting the, okay, we're not in a huge crowd. I'm not acting politically correct. I'm going to ask some really weird questions now that have been sitting on my mind, but because of what I'm told I'm supposed to say and not to say, I haven't asked yet, and kind of just went down the whole exposure with it and very quickly um, got, I was comfortable to begin with, but got more understanding of, okay, I understand why, why you know, why you're going through with this and how, how the, yeah, for her too, it was trauma uh, that fit into her life. Right. And there's a lot of folks that, that will invalidate mental illness or trauma as like, they, that's the reason for them to invalidate transness. And I, I want to say that that is, that's unacceptable. That's not true. That it, if that is what you need to do for folks like that that are like, oh, well, they, they aren't actually trans. They just went through trauma. If they hadn't gone through trauma, they wouldn't be trans. But I will say this. If there are people out there in the world that get a nose job to feel safe in the world or get a boob job to feel safe and valid in the world, if that person needs to do that with their body and their life to feel safe and comfortable and right in the world, then blessed be, let them have it. It doesn't matter if you understand it or not. That's what they're doing to get by and be whole as a person. You know, like it's, <laughs> there is such a high suicide rate for trans folk. And it's largely based on, on that is trying to integrate yourself in the world, trying to be seen and trying to survive, you know, and it feels for a lot of folks who aren't like <laughs> ridiculously optimistic, like myself, it is an uphill battle, you know? Oh, very much so, especially the fact that being mental health isn't a hard science. Even in the mental health community, there, mm -hmm. there's there's massive disagreements. Um, we had an issue for a while where we had a therapist who thought uh, MPTS, multiple personality uh, dissociative syndrome, was mm -hmm. a joke. And we're like, no, this is real. We, we, we have someone here who has it. And they're like, yeah, I just don't believe in those papers. So, and as a, as a person who does, who does as well, like I appreciate you fighting back against that because I am an experience of a more severe form of it in a more, in a more recent history, you know? And I have a whole – that's a whole conversation that we can have. Like I can explain how that works because, you know, mine is a little more um, – a lot of folks with DID, they dissociate a lot. Mine uh, is more present. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, yeah, I understand. Like, yeah. like I'm, not, I'm not disconnected when there's shifts, you know? Um, so I'm glad to hear that that work is being done because that, that piece is important as well. As much as we're talking about you know, the sexual desire spectrum, understanding the mental health spectrum is really important too because it's a huge factor in understanding gender. And a lot of folks on the autism spectrum as well, are, there's a lot of connection between autistic folks and trans folks, you know, and it's the more you know, the more pieces you know, the more that this will make sense, you know. It's just there's a lot of pieces, you know. Oh, absolutely. It's a big, complex puzzle altogether. And I know when we were going through it, because it is my daughter who has the DID, and it freaked me out just seeing how quickly the changes are and how yep. it happened also in school school actually yeah. saw the changes and it's documented and i was like whoa it's like how can you say this does not exist when i have documentations from the public county school is it okay if i ask uh, a couple questions about her sure like, does she sure. does she have does she has she told you how many alters she has we, uh, there's five. Okay. So here's the backstory okay. of my daughter to get to probably answer a lot of your questions there. She is a sex abuse survivor from the ages of two to eight was discovered on video by the local county sheriff and a community pool. And that's how I discovered she was being sexually abused. So during the healing process there, that's where we discovered that she had um, all her altars there and we had them all individually named I treated the DID as they were my children so instead of having one Good. daughter I had Good. five I was, I was just going to say that that's exactly what was going to come out of my mouth I was like oh you have five kids then <laughs> yes and they all had their own birthdays and celebrations and their own different ages you know so they ranged from um, I think Jacob was about five or eight and then there was Audia and she was around five so she stayed the constant and then there was a couple others that was like went from teenager to 21 had her own career traveled the world was a fashion designer. Yeah. I mean some of the stuff I'm like I can't make up this shit if I tried 
Seriously. Yeah. And you know, I I just uh, I I need to say this. Like, uh, I'm glad to know this information about her, but I just realized that we like totally didn't discuss with her whether or not she's okay with this information being broadcasted. You know, like maybe we should put a like pause on that conversation. But it's mm-hmm. it's good to know that there that you are so accepting of your daughter. You know, it's it's that's really encouraging. And like that's what I would tell a lot of people is like you might not understand it, but keep your heart open. Like the human mind is incredible. Like look at the way that she survived that heavy amount of trauma. Look what she did. Look what her little brain did to get by and who came of that, you know? And we, we talk about the human spirit. We talk about the spirit inside of us. And it's like, who's to say that, that a, that spirit isn't flexible and changeable and B that there's not an opportunity for multiple to dwell. And there's a lot of people that assign it, that believe that that's what it is. Um, but yeah, like I, how powerful is it that you're just like, okay, cool. Like, awesome. I have five kids and what's your name? And like, you, you're on top of it. Like, I want to give you props for that because that's the kind of parenting, like, I don't expect parents to be on top of it. It's okay for us to be a little bit clueless, but you're trying, you know, that's oh, the yeah. most important thing is that we need to try, you know? Absolutely there. Um, yeah, but to put full disclosure, before we came on the pot, created the podcast, we discussed with her and we said, hey, this is what's going to happen because this is part of the journey and she's okay with that. So we got full permission and everything because um, cool. oftentimes if you go to my Facebook page too, you'll get to see us doing little videos and edits and trying to encourage a lot more conversations because I'm trying to get her on her little podcast and her little YouTube video to help other kids that they're not alone. So, yeah. That's so good. And the DID aspect is so needed. Like it's not as studied. I mean, I'm just recently starting to talk about my alters. I'm just recently starting to explain it and like be comfortable, like addressing people as such. Um, And I'm sure that you're familiar, but basically to me, it's like, the way I say it to the general public is like, okay, so the idea of a personality spectrum, all of us have our work selves and we have our home selves. If you're a waitress, you're not who you are when you're at work and when you're at home. Like you're two different people. And when you go through trauma, severe trauma, like your, your daughter did and like I did, there is a fraction that ha- happens to people. And those that, that personality spectrum that's a little more fluid in everybody, it kind of splits off. And sometimes there's dissociation, like people don't know who they are from time to time. And sometimes they're, they're a little bit more interconnected, such as my experience, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we and could go. Is, <laughs> yeah, we. Mm-hmm. The whole non-binary thing ties in with that. Like, I would say presently there are six in me and not like each of them is very binary gendered like but also still really like gender fluid which is funny um but there is an equal divide between boys and girls you know and it's each aspect of my personality and you know it's if you consider it in the terms of like id ego and super ego like the idea of alters is not that far out there you know oh absolutely and I hate to say it, but it is the end of the show time. I love to uh, thank you very much. And how can people You're find welcome. you if they, they want more information or just hit you up? Or... The best way to find me is just through through Facebook. I'm under Vern Phoenix. Um, I'm, that, I'm generally on there. Um, I have an Instagram, but that's more for my art that I create. And that's I'm on Instagram under Shy Wolf Club. But that's just more me, my regular life and making art and stuff. But if you want to check out the kind of art that I make, uh, that would be amazing because that's how I survive. Um, but yeah, I don't really have a website quite yet. I uh, that's a that's another thing on my list of puzzles, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, but at least we know to go on Instagram, check out your artwork, and probably purchase some to support you. That's a great way. Thank you so much. Thank you for staying on the show. There, uh, I like it's been to thank a lot you. of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find me everywhere now at livingasexpositivelife.com and social media. I'm sticking to one social media account because juggling Miss Angelique Luna and living a sex positive life was getting too crazy. So you can only find me on the one, livingasexpositivelife.com. But I'm still keeping my own, so I'm on Facebook and Twitter as John C. Luna. Again, reach out, say hi, and uh, let's just talk about sex. Thanks very much, guys. Have a good night. Good night.